Good morning, and welcome back to the Broker Breakdown. This is uh, episode eight with myself and James, and uh, we are we're excited to be back this week. We had uh, a brief recap. If you haven't listened to it, we had a a mortgage expert in last week with us, David Holton, to kind of talk over mortgages and stuff going on that. This week, we're taking a little bit of a shift. We want to discuss um, a few things, not necessarily pertaining to your insurance policy, but things that help winterization from uh, from home and auto insurance and kind of things you can do. And, and we'll, we'll obviously jump into that together. Yeah, everyone's favorite time of year. I know I'm not a big winter guy. I wish I could just kind of go away and maybe golf down south <laughs> during the winter months, especially in Ontario, because you either get very hit or miss. You either get the very mild winters where it's like, you get no snow uh, maybe until like February. And then there's some winters where it's like we get snow. Like we literally had snow, I think, what, like a week ago, was it? Like some parts of Northern Ontario had snow last week. So yeah, I'm not a big winter guy. I don't know about you, Mike, but I know I'm just, uh, let me go away as far as possible from this, from snow. Yeah. You, you know what it is? You really got to, I mean, I know a lot of guys that like it. Um, you, you really got to prep for it, right? Like I hate having to put on, Sweater, jacket, you know, make sure you got like, you know, whatever it is, gloves, get the get the car warmed up, brush off stuff. Like all that takes more time to like leave your house. So I'd rather just uh I almost just hunker down myself there unless I have to. But uh it's where we live, right? It's where we live. We I always have, we always have. So <laughs> you yeah. just gotta either embrace it or uh or complain about it like I do. Yeah, that's the same with me. Like I said, you either get the really mild ones or you get the very like the heavy ones. We haven't had a heavy one in a while, so I think we're kind of in due for that. Let's maybe hope it's not this year, but um I mean, are arguable. Last year we had we had a lot of snow in southern Ontario. I remember like there was a handful of days. Like I I can't even remember the last time I've snow, I've, you know, shoveled a foot and a half of snow out of my driveway. That's fair. Yeah, actually, now that you th- now that I kind of think about it, yeah, we did have a lot of uh, a lot of days that were a lot of snow days actually too for schools last year. Like, at least like in the southern part of Ontario, I know like northern Ontario, they're a little bit more like kind of in touch with the weather and stuff, and like they don't get to they don't get these snow days like we do down here. But yeah, I, f- I feel like last year we actually did have a lot of snow days for people like in school and like university and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. And so this is this kind of kicks off what we wanted to chat about today on the on the podcast. Um and I think we're going to start off on a couple tick uh well, tricks and tips for auto insurance. Yeah, I think we'll start off the biggest one that I think everyone's kind of um interested on is winter tire discount. Um so obviously getting winter tires obviously will improve like your traction in wet and slushy and icy conditions but insurance companies actually give a discount depending on the company any companies are usually anywhere from a two to five percent discount for winter tires um usually what i would say is if you're getting them like before or after um, you've already purchased the vehicle either just get the invoice of the winter tire or just get a picture of the winter tire showing like the ice what is it the snowflake mike that they have to show Oh, it's one of the, it's usually either a picture of a mountain or a snowflake. I know every tire is a little different depending on the manufacturer. Okay. 
So make sure you're just either getting the invoice or the picture showing the, uh, the snowflake or the mountain, just showing that they are winter rated, um, and then going to your broker agent and making sure they add it on. Like I said, most companies are anywhere from 2 to 5%. It's really going to just depend on the company that you're with at the time to basically add the discount. And then, yeah, it's just an easy thing. Not only helps you with your safety, but again, decreases your insurance, which everyone loves to hear. And it is, I mean, it helps a little bit for any of those wondering, obviously, if you're only paying a thousand bucks a year, you might, you might save $50 a year. Like it's not going to warrant the, it's not going to pay off the entire expense of winter tires, obviously. And I know some people have had that conversation. I've just kind of laughed, but it it helps a little bit, but by all means, don't go out and spend $400 on winter tires. If you're thinking you're making that back, that's certainly not going to be the case. Yeah, like I said, the, the the amount is very low. It's like only a two to five percent. But again, I think the biggest like hit home point should be is it helps improve safety in these conditions, right? So even if you're just yourself, like if you're if you're single and you don't have a family, and you're still driving to work every day. It obviously protects you from any accidents or stuff and more traction. But again, if you do have a family, you got to think of those people as, as well, right? If they're if you're driving your kids to school or your wife's driving your kids to school or husband or whatever it might be, you want to make sure that you're extra protected in those cases where we do get a little bit of snow or there's ice or slush or whatever it might be. And it's going to help improve the safety of your drive every single day. So big thing, winter tires, if you don't have them, I would recommend getting them. Um, and yeah, just like I said, in, in not only in decreasing your insurance, but again, adding that extra safety point um on to that as well um mike another thing too i think is a lot of people i know i do it but i know a lot of people that i talk to and a lot of friends that i have they don't kind of do it but almost making like a winter emergency kit in your vehicle yeah yeah i mean that's that's huge i you know what when you're younger you don't think about these things and i i clearly did not care when i was in my 20s at all because you don't think about um breaking down <laughs> we don't think we'll risk at all right even if like you were to like yeah get a flat tire or get into an accident like do you want to be out there with no gloves and a hat on and i know a lot of people are that do that every day and we all just laugh at it but yeah get get some stuff in your car put it in the trunk get a box get some extra you know make sure you have an extra uh bottle of um winter washer fluid that's always the worst oh, yeah that's a huge yeah especially in the winter with all the ice and stuff or and then like, the salt because in Ontario, like our, we use a lot of salt in our roads. Um, so like all like the like the debris and stuff that goes on the on the front is just yeah. You if you can't like I honestly probably go for like either at least one or two bottles of like a winter alone. And it all depends, right? Because you'll get that one day when you're at like maybe half of it or, or a quarter is you know whatever whatever amount it is. And of course, it's the day when obviously you got all the slush flying up off the cars and there's been salted, so you're you know, you got, you're got using your wipers and it's like, what, every minute you feel like you're just, you're just yeah, using you're more using and more. It. And yep. that's the day you run out. And then you're on the side of the road putting snow on your windshield, trying to wipe it off. Yep. And I think the big thing too is not only just on the windshield wiper, but like I think having like a blanket in the car just in case. Because if you break down, you want to make sure you have that extra layer of warmth. If you can, um, toque, gloves. Um, for myself too, I have like, um, I have the, the tire pump as well. Just one of those small ones, just in case, again, that's, that might not be a winter thing. That might just be an overall thing to have in your vehicle. But I know I have that again, like Mike said, windshield wiper fluid, because I feel like you use that more in the winter than you do in the summer anyways. 
Um, jumper cables, maybe again, not a winterized thing, maybe just an overall general thing to have in your car, but just in case you do break down again with the winter and colder weathers, obviously batteries don't always perform as well in the colder weather. So if you have a jumper cable, even if it's not for yourself, but maybe for someone else that you can help out on the side of the road, um, I would say food and water, but again, water kind of freezes, especially in under zero degrees and food. Um, might go bad depending on what kind of food it is. But um, no, I think the biggest thing is just making sure you're keeping warm. So like for myself, I do have a blanket. I have an extra toque and a pair of gloves in my car just in case anything happens and I have to get out and I'm outside and my car is not starting. I can't get the heat going. So it's just an extra kind of level of warmth to have um, just in case something happens. Yeah. And um I guess with respect to, you know, how this ties back into insurance as well. The only other thing that I'll I'll kind of mention is um, there's there's obviously different emergency roadside programs you can buy. Um, some insurance companies have small coverages you can add on. I mean, the big plug, and obviously they're one of our partners. But for those of you that that obviously have it or may not may not have it, but CEA obviously offers roadside assistance, which is super ben- beneficial in the winter time. Yeah. And again, another big discount you can have is with their kind of membership program is they actually do offer discounts to their members through their insurance. So another kind of, and I honestly, most times like it actually does pay off like the, the discount, like it actually almost pays for the membership alone. I find a lot with a lot of my clients. Um, so oh, it, yeah. it's, it, it is beneficial. So it's not only helping you roadside, but it, again, it's, it's decreasing your insurance enough where it's basically paying off for the membership for the year anyways. So it's a win-win for any client that is going to be with CAA. So I would highly recommend looking into that as well. Yeah. If you, if you mean, if you have a policy, if you've been with them for a long time, as I know some older people have, they've been there, you know, 15 or 20 years with emergency. Hey, this, I know it's not a, a sales plug, but give us a call because there's a lot of, you might be able to be entitled to either further discounts than your current provider is offering. And uh, I've seen some massive savings for people when the, when the fit's right. Yeah, even people that are like over 40, they give a senior discount already. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. And then you tell them that and people are like, oh, I'm not a senior. And I'm like, well, CEA gives it. So <laughs> take it. Yep. Take it. Um, um, I think on the last part of the auto side, Mike, I think we want to talk about obviously holiday season coming up and kind of how that pertains to maybe more thefts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know it should be general knowledge at this point to always lock your car, but I mean, these are the types of times where uh, everyone's out shopping, malls especially, people are out there, you know, grabbing door handles, uh, right? Just just quickly seeing, they're seeing if something's available. So, I mean, you got to be a little extra diligent for sure. Yeah, because especially with holiday season coming up, people are going to be shopping. The malls are going to be packed. Most malls are just straight, like massive lots, might have like the garages. But a lot of those places aren't really, there's not cameras, there's nothing like that. And again, with holiday season coming up, people shopping and having valuables in the vehicles. And again, if you don't, if you don't have a trunk to put in or like tinted windows or anything like that, and people can just look in the vehicle and see, oh, Mike bought like a thousand dollars worth of fishing gear and it's just sitting back there for his dad for christmas right it's an kind of an easier target than most times of years um where it's very hit or miss like people aren't like like shopping like crazy like they are during this time so just kind of 
make sure you're being a little more cautious in that kind of thing to make sure that you're trying to hide things or like if you have a trunk, use the trunk because then people really can't get into it. People can't see what's back there. But again, it's just an extra kind of step to making sure that people aren't breaking into your vehicle and stealing things, especially for Christmas, because no one ever wants that to have to go basically rebuy gifts. Well, and you know what? The one thing I'll, I'll mention, because this might be a good point, because a lot of people may or may not know about this. When you have um, a theft claim in your car, like contents stolen out of your vehicle, the type of policy that typically responds is your home, uh, your condo, or your your you know your renter's insurance. So wherever you have your property insurance policy, if you have one, if you wanted to submit a claim for stolen property, that's going to go through your your property insurance. It's not going to go through your auto insurance. And I don't know if there's it might be a common misconception or maybe there's been, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people chat with your neighbors, friends, whoever, and, and sometimes get the wrong info, but you're not going to, you can't put a claim in for, for stolen items out of your car insurance policy. Yeah. That's, I feel like a lot of clients do have that misconception where it's like, oh, well, my car was broken into and I like, I had a $500 stolen out of my vehicle. Well, technically, if you don't have the property insurance, even if you're a renter, there's going to be no payment for those kind of things. And I feel like a lot of people do confuse that because they think, well, it was stolen out of my car. Like why would my property insurance kind of respond to that? But that's kind of how it is. Like it's, it's property and that's why it's insured under the content side of a property policy. So that's why when me and Mike talk to our clients, we always are trying to tell them even, even if you are a renter and again, most renting situations now need to have renter's insurance because the landlord is requiring it but there's still some people out there that don't require it which again i don't think is the greatest idea because again when you're living in a situation where you're renting nine times out of ten a renting situation there's usually more than one unit in that in the home or apartment or anything so even depending on what someone on 410 does on a, a unit if they flood and they floods through all 10 floors and gets to you as well that's damage that's on going to be on your contents right so that's something that you can't control. Again, if there's a fire and the whole building goes down, again, that's something you can't control. So to have a content policy, again, that discounts your auto side is a very, very high um, thing that me and Mike talk to all of our clients about because, again, it's so important. And again, during these times of the holidays, a lot of people don't realize that, again, yeah, if I go spend $1,000 and buy all my family gifts and it gets stolen on my car and i don't have that renter's policy or if i don't own a home and i need to have a renter's policy and i don't have it well guess what unfortunately that a thousand dollars is probably never going to get paid out on the auto side because there's no coverage yeah. on the auto side for it yeah yeah so just that small small tenant recommendation for any of those that don't have it if you rent a place whether it's a you know a detached home a basement apartment um you know, a, a unit in an apartment building, a condo. If you are renting a place, you know, apartment insurance or, or sorry, I should say tenants package for, for anyone that's renting. But yeah, there are, rent- there's all different names. Renters, yeah, but tenants, apartment. If you're renting a place, it's usually very inexpensive. You know, let, let's average out $30, $35 a month. Uh, not the end of the world. It normally will save you 
a couple hundred dollars off of your auto insurance a year, which yeah. could be twenty five to thirty dollars a month. So it's yeah. usually offset, a, net, a net positive. Yeah, the the offset of the discount to your auto policy is usually enough to, where you're realistically only paying anywhere from ten to twenty bucks a month extra to have the tenant policy. And sometimes the, I've even seen sometimes too where the tenant policy discount is actually outweighing the premium for the policy itself and you're actually saving more money overall to have the discount so it does it does in almost all younger drivers people that yes. are moving out that are paying anywhere let, let's just use a, a an approximate number of you know three thousand dollars plus a year anywhere higher you're probably saving the entire amount of that renter's insurance but also providing better coverage to yourself as well so it's it's a it's a double win in that case yeah 100 percent a double win so Highly recommend it. Even if it's just a five-minute conversation you have with your broker or you want to chat with us with it, just give us a call and we can definitely review it with you. Because like I said, if it saves you more money and you get more coverage, it's a win-win in your in your books. So flipping over to the the home side, the home side's got a couple more different talking points, yeah, especially I think, with winterization. Yeah, um, I think the homes the homes are a little bit more to talk about because there's a lot more kind of factors into the homes than a lot of people do think. Um, but I think we want to start it off with kind of the liability side and kind of, again, everyone's favorite time of year and snowfalls. Yeah. And I mean, we all, if, if, I mean, again, if you, if you have a sidewalk or a driveway, I mean, you are responsible for clearing that too, right? Uh, there's, there's obviously been slip and fall claims that happen every single year. Um, you, you don't want to be on the wrong side of a lawsuit. Not to say that's ever going to happen, but it, it does. It does happen, unfortunately. Even if we don't, if we don't see it every day, yes. So that's that's a the slip and fall side's a big a big topic. Yes. So I would just say on that point, just make sure you're checking with your municipal bylaws and making sure like what the kind of um, like time frame is to shoveling your driveway because some municipal bylaws are any from twelve to fourteen or twelve to twenty four hours after a snowfall. So after that period of time, if your driveway, sidewalk, whatever it is, isn't cleared and someone trips and falls, they can technically sue you because you were irresponsibly not clearing what you should have been clearing. So double check wherever city or town you might live in just to make sure what that time frame is. But just make sure you're shoveling. Like just give the courtesy, uh, the courtesy to other people that are using it, especially people that might have disabilities where they can't like like a wheelchair or something like that when they're trying to go through the snow, it's so much harder for them. So just make sure you're clearing um, your sidewalks and even driveways too, especially for people that still get the mail right to their house, UPS, Canada Post, anything like that. We don't want people going through their driveway and slipping and falling and then they can't work and then they're off work. They can't provide for their families and stuff like that. So just making sure that you're doing that in a timely fashion. I'm not saying you need to be out there while it's still snowing, but like at least like, like, four or five hours after it stops snowing, like people should be out there and clearing their driveways to making sure there's the safety for other people using the sidewalks and driveways as well. And, and obviously, you know, if you have salt as well, use that. I mean, anything you can to get, get the ice off of steps and, and whatnot. Yeah. Salt. I know, I know they people uh, certain areas of Ontario, we like brine the roads too. So it's, it's supposed to be better than salt. I know people do use like de-icer, there's sand and stuff. Just basically see again, cause I know there's some bylaws in some cities and towns. They don't allow to use salt anymore because it's not like pet friendly, animal friendly. So just making sure you're following the rules of like whatever city you're from to make sure that you, whatever product you can use. But yeah, it's another very easy way to 
to add more safety to a sidewalk or to your driveway or whatever it might be so that when people are using it, they're not slipping and falling, causing injuries and possibly lawsuits to fall afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The, the other thing that's um, super related to insurance is, and I've, I've known people this happened to is making sure you shut off your outdoor um faucets faucets yeah yeah like that's something that i always forget to do <laughs> because you're using it all summer right and then all of a sudden it's just like oh yeah i can't use this anymore and then you go to turn it on you're like oh shit this is already frozen exactly well yeah and, and i mean rupture of plumbing is a real thing it pipe pipes oh yeah because it goes every single year it goes through your whole home afterwards and because it, it can just rupture that whole like the whole line right there right once you turn it on because it's frozen on the outside but the water's trying to to go through and it's not going through, but like the lines on, right? Yeah, this is, I mean, it, it happens all the time, right? A lot of people have rupture of plumbing and, and don't know where it stems from. It could, it could just be the fact that maybe your house wasn't uh, heated up. I mean, that's as, as far less likely than like maybe a, an outdoor tap, obviously being not, not uh, cleared out before the winter, but yeah, that's, that's a big one. Make sure you clear those, clear those lines. Um, if you're if you're going away on vacation, just as a quick side note to that as well, for like maybe you know seven days like that, either a it's important to, to make sure those are cleared out, you know, shut off your water or whatnot. But also, uh, most insurance companies will typically want someone to come check on it. Uh, it's usually every seventy two hours, so every three days. Yeah, so, every company's going to have a different kind of time frame to that, but yeah, most companies are about seventy two hours. And I know, I know not everyone kind of follows that idea, but um, you, you really should at least have someone stopping by, if not a relative, a neighbor, even just to make sure there's nothing that's already happened, right? Because claims do happen. And I mean, you can leave in the next day a pipe ruptures. And if no one's checking on that, now you got four, possibly five, six days of damage happening. Heaven forbid your water hasn't been running the whole time in the house. Cause, and, that, and that has happened for sure. Oh yeah, I've seen that happen to so many people where they've gone on vacation, they haven't done like they haven't turned off the stuff, they come home and like it's just water everywhere. Again, how like the risk is there. It's not a very high risk, but again, it only takes that one time where you're not at the house and then it just turns into an absolute complete like nightmare. Disaster. Yeah, exactly. Like everything's gone. Like everything is gone, right? Um I know this is a very it's not a very personal story, but a guy that I watch on Twitch um, lives in the States, and this actually happened to him. He went on vacation. I think, actually, you know what? I don't know if it was before his wedding or something. Um, it's a FIFA guy that I watch on Twitch. And I, anyways, he went on vacation or whatever, and the home that he lived in, I guess his brother or his mom or something went and checked on the home while they were gone. And when they went there, like this, I guess a water line went, and the whole home, water, everything. So he had like shoe collections, like jersey collections, like all this kind of stuff and everything gone. And they had someone checking on the house and it just happened that the, from the time that they last checked, to the time they checked this the next time, like the water was able to go through the whole home and destroy the whole home. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, that, and you're looking at, you know, long drawn out claims, trying to document what you lost. Ex- especially you know, having, in that case, right? Oh, and then With having collectibles. A- well, it, it just it it it's not going to be an easy. It's not going to be an easy claims process. So, not I mean, at all. The easiest way to do it is hopefully avoid 
avoid that and uh, do things that hopefully protect your home from not having a claim in the first place. Yes. Um, kind of moving into more things on the home side, winterizing and kind of making sure you're ready for winter. I think another big thing people should do as well, just give a quick look on your roof and make sure that there aren't shingles flying off that could possibly um, cause more flooding in the home. Making sure that the roof isn't old enough where like if snow is on the roof for a long period of time, again, it causes more flooding or it could possibly even cause like a collapse of the of the roof. So making sure you're just inspecting the roof and making sure, you know what, that my roof is going to last me the winter. I'm not going to have any issues. But again, if, the, if you do think there are going to be issues, making sure that you're basically addressing those before we do get snow, because the last thing you want to be doing is going up on the roof. Not only is that dangerous alone, but now you're going up with snow ice and being wet that's just adding three more factors of being even more dangerous going on top of your roof the james one thing you mentioned too there and it it leads into something i was thinking about but water uh, so basically ice damming right so ease troughs downsprouts those things that do you know we have a melt for example um and then so we have all this running water from our roofs and then the next day or the same day it freezes again a lot of downspouts and these troughs can, you know, that water can dam up, turns to solid. Now you have, if there is a melt, you have water that can't go anywhere. And once it overflows an east trough, it can go back in, you know, um, your soffit somewhere. It can, it can kind of flood into your home. So I know that's not something that everyone thinks about, but um, there's different things you can do to hopefully, hopefully prevent that. Yeah, just, just double checking them, making sure they're clear every year. I know a lot of people do it in the spring and fall, like with the leaves and stuff, but just making sure that you're doing that prior, obviously, to like the snow falling. We don't want things clogging up. We don't want more damage already causing by those things. Just making sure those things are clear um, before the snow comes and can cause more damage. Yeah. The the one thing, too, that this season is now going to start seeing that we just came out of the heating or well, the the AC season, but now we're into heating season. So obviously a couple of big tips there is make sure if you haven't already that your furnace is, you know, up to snuff for the winter season. Yeah. Get it inspected. Even just check yourself. Just making sure that it's running properly because the last thing you really want to do is basically try to go through a whole winter when you kind of know that your furnace isn't going to last for the whole winter and then it dies in the middle of winter and then you're without power or you're without heat which could cause a whole lot of other issues with interior piping breaking, food going bad, all that kind of stuff, right? So just making sure that you're being cautious. And if you really don't think that your furnace is going to last, maybe get an expert in to maybe double check and see and get a second opinion because the last thing you want to do, I know the last thing Mike wants to do during his Christmas holidays is having to basically pay not only a financial side and a financial burden to basically get a whole new furnace in, especially emergency because they'll charge you more for that because it's an emergency. But again, having no heat during the Christmas holidays or whatever holiday you celebrate. And you know what? You might, you might be the one that was hosting the holiday events. And now all of a sudden now you can't because now you don't have the furnace that works. No one wants to come over. I know I'm not going to Mike's house if Mike's house is not heated. So no, no, no one is. No one is. (laughs) candles candles don't do enough at that point no not 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 enough candles in the whole world can heat up heat up a home like that so unless you got Um, a fireplace or something that we can use but yeah a portable one i have to buy them all 
But yeah, just double checking that because again, that's the last thing and probably one of the biggest financial burdens to have in the middle of winter is to basically have to replace your whole furnace. So again, just the extra things you don't want to be doing in wintertime. Um, just make sure you're doing that prior. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think if there was something else you're on the home side as we were chatting. Um. I would just say to like seal any gaps or cracks you might be seeing like in windows or doors, because again, that can obviously, it might not be an insurance side of things, but again, when you're trying to heat your home, heating obviously costs you money. So you don't want that heat just going out of the home um, through cracks or gaps or something like that. Even another thing is too, is check insulation because again, a lot of, that's what a lot of people lose heat from actually. And people don't realize that is that insulation, if it's poorly done, that's where a lot of your heat is released. So if you're just heating your home and your heat bills are going up and up and up, yes, check for cracks and gaps like in doors, windows, that kind of stuff. But again, another big thing could be insulation problems. I know the one thing that um, the one thing that I did this past year was obviously do part of my basement. So we insulated the whole thing, and uh, and man, it is like a, it's like it is hot downstairs. Right now, I know we already got the heat on a little bit, which <laughs> a lot of people wait till November first or a specific date right to turn it on. But uh, yeah, getting making sure that it's um, insulated. Obviously, you're not going to lose all that foundation heat, basically leaking another, through. Another big thing that people kind of have a misconception of, and again, I'm not a I'm not an insulation um, expert, but. A lot of people think that when, you know, like on the top of your roof, like in the wintertime when there, it snows and then like someone's like home, like the roof is like fully like dry and everyone's like, oh, that's a great home and stuff. That's actually not a very good sign because that what that says is that your insulation, in your attic or your part of your roof is actually not good enough because it's not it's it's releasing too much of the heat. Again, you do have to have a lot of you do have to have the heat escape the home because you it, the heat can't just sit there but again if if the if the roof is fully like dry and melted then that's a problem and that should be something that you should check as well because again you want to have enough insulation in your roof that not all the heat is escaping because again all it's going to do is it's going to cause your gas bills and your heating bills to just skyrocket um, you do want to have a little bit that leaves, but again, you don't want to have enough where your, your whole roof is basically melting every single time there's a snowfall. On the, the on the front there of home stuff as well, the one side um, a lot of people have in more rural properties and cottages and whatnot that are super nice is wood stoves. And in wood stoves for insurance, for those that obviously have one or have inquired about one, it's definitely a talking point. Um, wood stoves are typically, if you, if you've done it yourself, which is usually frowned upon, you have to get a wet certified inspector, come out and check it, um, to make sure it's all obviously up to, up to code. Uh, wet stands for wood energy technology transfer for those obviously wondering, and it's usually wet certified professionals, you know, have, have the skills to make sure that wood stoves are obviously installed and inspected. So they're to code and you're not going to have risk of of fire in your house. Yeah, I think a lot of people have shied away from having like a fireplace or a wood stove or anything like that. I know like for me, for example, like I live at a house where we have one, so we use it a lot in the wintertime. And it's just nice. Like it just it's a different kind of heat. Like you almost you feel like at home. I don't I don't know if anyone else, like I don't know Mike if you feel this way, but 
when we have our fireplace on, like it just feels like nice. Like you just feel like you're like you feel good when it's on compared to the furnace. Like I just feel like there's like a different. I don't know if it's just me, um, but like I no, just no. love I just love having it on. Yeah, yeah. I've def I've definitely been into a few places, more seasonal properties. But when you have one going, there's the you know the ambiance of the fireplace, the crackling, the the heat itself. Just the fact you got to restoke it yourself, right? Uh, there's there's everything about that that kind of sets the uh, that winter mood. Yeah, I just people. I love it. Honestly, I, I like even for me, like when I buy my a, a home, like a, I know a fireplace is going to be very hard to find. But like if I could find one, I would love to have one because it just it's just a whole different like kind of like I like I said, the heat that you get from it is just completely different from anything you really feel from a furnace. Yeah, yeah. And the I mean, the one the one risk point with them, and this is where the industry has taken a stance, right, is if they're not done professionally um, or inspected. The obviously the concern is obviously heat for you know combustible materials either behind or around the wood stove right because everything has a temperature where obviously it's going to combust and that's that's the big thing right is there proper ventilation um you know what what's around the wood stove that that has the ability to, to combust and cause a home fire and, and these are the things that people don't think about yeah there's obviously a big added responsibility to having a stove or a fireplace or anything like that. And most fireplaces are going to have like the rock around it or like the like non-combustible concrete or anything like that around it. Obviously you're not going to have a wood stove and you're going to have like a wood flooring right next to it. Right. So usually there's like a space where it's brick, concrete, stone, anything non-combustible basically that's going to be around it. But yes, there's an added level of responsibility to having a fireplace. It's not just, you get to benefit from it. It's cleaning it, making sure it's inspected, making sure it's running properly. And again, there's just an extra risk of it being in the home than not having one. And if you do, I mean, you definitely need to advise your broker agent, whoever you have your insurance with. Most wood stoves, um, there is typically a small surcharge that goes onto a policy for the added exposure of a wood stove. It's not always as much. Everyone's going to say, oh, I'm not going to tell them. It's going to be hundreds of dollars. You know, I've seen some as low as only like fifty dollars for the year to ensure you have it. Some some might even uh, provide it at little to no charge if it's been inspected and it's all good. I guess every carrier is a little bit different in that regard. But you, yeah, needless to say, you have to let them know. Um, yeah, if that, you were to have a claim, right? Thing. If you had a claim and now you have an uncertified, you know, not inspected wood so that that was the source of that. You're going to have a hard time with that claim. The insurance company is going to give you grief because they're going to say, how did you not know about this? Why didn't you tell us? The list of questions go on and on from there, right? So it's more or less just knowing if you have one, make sure you've done the proper due diligence to to update your insurance. Um, It's usually a quick phone call. It's not expensive. It it doesn't need to be this, this big ordeal that I feel like it has been for the last... 10 years that I've been in the industry anyways. Yeah. Transparency is the biggest thing. If you're, if you know you have a fireplace, just tell people you have a fireplace because in the event of a claim, the last thing you want to happen is they come in and they'd be like, Oh, there's a fireplace here. We don't have that marked here. And then that becomes a big issue. Right? So I would say, make sure if you have one, just be transparent, tell your agent, tell your broker and make sure they're placing you with the right company that is fine with them. Because again, every company is going to be different. Every company is going to have their own rules, their own regulations behind it. So you want to make sure you're going to the company that's going to suit your needs the best way possible. 
and I, and I and we get it too. Like I'm not, I've had conversations for sure in the past where someone said, you know, I didn't want to talk about it because you know I might not have the right insurance company. Um, maybe their price is too much for it, or maybe maybe they won't. Um, maybe you have to have that inspection done now. And there's recommendations, which does happen with a lot of self-installed fire fireplaces. Obviously, you put in a wood stove, you do it yourself. Not to say, you know, you're not going to have a problem, but if it's not inspected oh i gotta spend two hundred dollars on this or maybe there's a couple recommendations i we get it we get it those those things do cost money and you want to obviously everyone wants to avoid that but what what you what you would don't want to happen is that that fire claim that now is being you know denied or your policy being canceled or or one of many terrible things the last thing you want is voided coverage right because yeah you didn't want to spend the money to do the inspection or whatever it might have been but like i said the last thing you want is voided coverage they come in there's a claim fifty thousand dollar claim they go fireplace you didn't tell us about that we're voiding coverage for that and then instantly like then that becomes a bigger issue right because now your your home's not being fixed the insurance company looks like the bad guy, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, you didn't disclose that um, there was a fireplace or whatever it might be that might void coverage. So just being as transparent as you possibly can is going to get you a, a longer way with people and insurance companies in general than hiding stuff and thinking, oh, I'm going to pay less and they're never going to find out. And then if something happens, them finding out and then not paying out that they should have. Yeah, exactly. And the last thing I wanted to touch base on quickly was just the fact that if you have um, recreational vehicles, whether they are boats, trailers, you know, um, sleds, jet skis, whatever you had that is a recreational vehicle, you know, ensure you've done a little bit of work to make sure you're not hopefully going to assume damage over the winter as well, right? Whether that's whether that's rupture of plumbing, even in a trailer, for example, winterization, um, anything to that to even you know, animals getting into a trailer because I've heard of those things and, and not necessarily always covered through insurance for animals. So, you know, wrecked vehicles, especially James, I'm not sure if you want to add in on that at all. Yeah, wrecked vehicles are, I know a lot of clients do have them. And I think if you have a wrecked vehicle, I think a lot of clients are very good at doing this, but making sure they're winterized properly. Like a lot of bikers, they bring them in they do all the work to winterize them oil changes that kind of stuff to make sure that like once the weather is good enough to basically go back out on the road they don't have to do any work to them um summer cars same thing like i know a lot of car guys that will like put them up on like you know like those um like not lifts but that they have like they're off the ground so the tires aren't touching the cold ground you know what i'm talking mm-hmm. about yeah, yeah, they'll, yeah. Have, they'll do that like i know a lot of people put them on like charger blocks so that the the the, the battery is being used and like it's warm all winter. I even know I have a family member actually that uses um, a, a heated blanket on their car during the winter. <laughs> hmm. Well, that's that's, so, a, that's a little extreme. I've never heard of that. It's it's extreme. It is. <laughs> but again, for the value of the of the vehicle, you kind of want you want to protect it as much as possible. So I would just say making sure you're doing those things. I know for right now, like eight like ATVs, boats. RVs, trailers, and like summer cars are your biggest ones you're really putting away for the winter. So making sure, like I said, oil changes are done. So old oil is not just sitting there for four to six months, depending on what kind of area you're in and how long your winters are. Even gas too. Like I find like you don't want gas sitting there that long. So maybe if you can, like try to drive it to the point where it's, it's almost empty, where you can get to a gas station or even just 
Or even well, just enough where you can get to the gas station, you know what I mean? Just so you, you can, not, put, you can, you can put fuel stabilizer in any yes. wreck vehicles as well, solely for the purpose that you're not gonna have, you know, issues. Yeah, you just don't want you don't want gas sitting there that long and being unused and then try to start it up in four to six months and then be like, Oh, this gas is bad and it can cause more problems to engines and stuff like that. So um but yeah, I think your biggest thing is definitely oil changing, winterizing it. Just making sure that it's going to be good enough to. It depends where you are too, because a lot of these vehicles, if you have them, they're probably going to be inside. Like bikes are going to be stored inside. Your summer car is going to be stored inside. Again, if you don't have a big property or like a big barn or something like that, like an RV is going to probably going to be outside for the winter. So just making sure it's going to be able to last the elements for the for the next four to six months, and you're not going to have any, any issues. We're going to have to go out and be like, oh no, I'm going to have to like it's either freezing or there's animals getting into it because obviously they want to stay warm and RV is kind of providing a little bit of shelter for them. Uh, Just making sure those things are done and done properly so that when you want to use them come springtime, you don't have a big surprise or your vehicle or bike or whatever it might be is completely destroyed because they weren't winterized properly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I know that it's interesting. It's, and we were chatting with this before, but, uh, I mean, in terms of like be able to take some, you know, tricks and tips here. Uh, we've done 40 minutes, James, already on uh, just things people should look at for their home and auto for the next uh, for the next six months or so. It's funny how fast time goes. Oh, yeah. And again, there's probably a thousand other things we could talk about. But these are kind of the ones that really like hit home to us that really like makes sense to us to talk about. Because these are one of the things that we always find that come up is that people don't really realize it. And then they're like, oh, I should have done this like in October or November, right? In November, this is why it's going to be coming out tomorrow, basically, is that we're starting to get in those colder days now, especially if you're in northern Ontario, where, like I said, a lot of people have already seen snow up there. So you might already be behind the eight ball if you're in northern Ontario. But I know southern Ontario, people start doing it in October, and they might push in November, like especially like winter tires. Like even there's companies that like require winter tires to be on from November 1st to like, april 1st i believe or even may 1st yeah. so kind of making sure you're getting that stuff done like if you're if you're getting them done properly or if you're getting them done by a licensed professional mechanic that you have your appointments set because again a lot of these appointments are being pushed back a few days if not a week if not two weeks depending on how busy they are i know dealerships right now a lot of dealerships i work with they're saying that it's about a week or two weeks to wait for winter tires to be put on right now so now you're getting pushed in the middle of november where again, some companies are requiring it to be the first of November, right? So now you're 14 days behind the requirement the insurance company is having for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to get them on. Um, if if you do believe in them and you want to put them on, you know, you got to get those on for one. You don't want anything to void your insurance, but two, um, there's it's just you know it's just, I know winter tires. It's all about ground temperature, right? So it's not necessarily snow, but they start working at and i forget the exact it's, degree i it, it every company is going to be different like manufacturer but most companies are saying seven degrees or less right right so there's there's obviously yeah and, and i mean you know unless you do them yourself or you find a place i know that a lot of tire shops you need to have a you know uh, an appointment arranged and some of them are, are weeks behind on just getting in there based on the time of the year so there's never it's never too early i guess to get those on no never so just making sure you're you're booked in and whatever you need to do. But yeah, 
there's just a thousand tips that we could talk about. We could be here all day talking about, but those are the main ones we did want to talk about. Obviously, going into the winter months, a lot of, like I said, Northern Ontario have already seen a lot of snow, colder weathers. Even even here, like in Southern Ontario, there's been nights that have gone down to zero degrees and stuff. So we're starting to get into that weather. So the last thing you want to happen is, again, being behind the eight ball, not doing the things that should have been done prior. And then a claim happens or damage happens and then you were like oh you know what i should have done this earlier and now i have to basically like face the repercussions of not doing those things exactly exactly um so next week we are going to do um or i think this week actually we're going to do another episode on um kind of snowbirds and that topic james if i'm if i'm not mistaken yes so um this episode will come out november 1st which is tomorrow Again, we were kind of behind. I went to Alberta last week and just kind of coming back a little bit exhausted just from traveling and stuff. So we didn't do an episode last week. So um, this will come out tomorrow, November 1st. And then on Wednesday, we'll be recording for the November, what's that date? November the 8th. November 8th will be the Snowbird episode. So that will kind of talk about some, again, a lot of clients going down south for the winter, either taking their car, travel insurance kind of topics and kind of just kind of things to look out for if you are a snowbird and just have questions about going down there and insurance based um things while you're down in another well another country another state so so yeah we will we'll we'll touch base with everyone on that uh next week's episode um and that way you kind of have an idea on, on kind of some requirements or things that can help there yeah we're coming up to almost 10 episodes 10 episodes will be about middle of november so i'm pretty excited about that there we go absolutely yeah it's been a it's been a good uh couple episodes but we'll keep we'll keep bringing you guys more content as well yes another thing that we kind of wanted to post uh, about as well is that um obviously during christmas time we will be taking a little bit of a break during christmas obviously to be with our families and stuff and celebrate the holidays so from anywhere from about i would say about christmas time um kind of when does christmas even land this year so christmas is actually on a sunday so i would say the last um episode we're going to be posting for christmas or at least for 2022 um will be the 20th of december will be our last post and then we'll be back um in the new year i would say the new year will probably be our first episode will be the 10th of january then so we'll kind of have about a a 20-day break again just to kind of spend time with our families recharge and that kind of stuff but just a little bit of a heads up. We will kind of discuss that once we get a little bit closer, but just kind of a heads up to people that we won't be posting from the 20th uh, of December to the ter- to the 10th of January. Perfect. Then we will, we will leave you guys for another week here. And by all means, follow us on, I think James, we're on most platforms at this yeah, point. I'm, I know I'm on Facebook, social, or I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn are my two are my biggest three. I do have TikTok. I don't really post a lot on it just because it's a lot of like videos and stuff. And again, I haven't really got, uh, I haven't dove really into the video side, but again, I'm mostly on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and then a little bit of TikTok. So I know Mike, what are you on? Uh, it's mostly Instagram as well, but I, sorry, I meant more for uh, the, the podcast side of things. Oh, podcast side of things. Interesting. So yes, we are, we're based on all podcast um, platforms, um, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, um, all those kind of platforms. So make sure you're giving us a listen to whatever you're 
um, you're on. I know most people from our viewers obviously use either Apple, um, Spotify, or Google, but there are a few other ones that we will that we do post on as well. So make sure whatever podcast you guys use platform, just type our, us in the broker breakdown and see if we're on there. If it's something that we're not on, we can definitely look into being added onto it because it's a very easy process to basically just ask to go on another platform. But yeah, check us out and make sure you're following, downloading, even giving us comments on what you guys want to hear. Because again, um, there there might be things that we're missing from performers that you know we overlook things because again, we're in the industry. So we're just looking at kind of what the biggest topics are during that time. But if there are questions or concerns you guys might have and we can make an episode on it, definitely reach out to us and we can definitely kind of build that into our schedule to talk about those things. Even if it's not for a full um, episode, but if we can kind of add it in into an episode for a few minutes, we definitely can look into that as well. So don't be shy. Contact us with anything you guys might have. We can definitely look into it for you. Yeah. Thanks again for listening, guys. We will catch you all uh, next week as well. And by all means, enjoy the rest of your, your week. Take care.